make as many mistakes as you can. Just try not to make the same mistake a second time. The teacher said, well, first of all, you're never going to make it because you're too tall, you're too impetuous, and you don't do what everyone else is doing. I am. A, I like things to be now. I'm not about the journey. I'm about the destination. Falling a hundred times, but then landing once and going, okay, now I get it. And that once informs how you fall 20 times the next time rather than 40 times. Talent is great, but talent does things because they can, not because they know how. We didn't start out because we wanted to go to the Olympics. We found something that gave us a thrill. And that thrill, as long as that thrill is there, you can succeed. And that has nothing to do with money. <laughs> if you want something badly enough, you'll figure out how to do it. And I went, threw my leg out and I went to step on it and it wasn't there. And I literally clawed off the ice and that was the second surgery. I would have ended up in holiday and ice. I would have ended up performing. I would have ended up coaching regardless of what happened at the Olympics. Mm -hmm. That thing with those things on my feet in my, as I call it, my happy place and my white canvas wasn't going to go away and I didn't need the Olympics to make that happen. The judges are there for free. The audience are the ones who are paid to see you because they're the skating fans. Skate for them and make the judges think they've missed something. The most important visual I will ever have. And that was team leader, two coaches, parents, brother, because those are the people without whom I wouldn't have been on that podium. I'm on a mission to help the world to see success differently. For sharing the stories of our guests, I hope to inspire those that listen. This is the Different Hats podcast, produced by H2 Productions. I hope you can join us on this journey. I just wanted to take a moment to talk about one of our sponsors, Nostos, an authentic experience of Greece right here in the heart of Hove. In a world brimming with dining options, finding that one place that captivates your palate and heart isn't always easy. It's about more than food. It's the stories, the ambience, the slice of another world. This is the essence of Nostos, an award-winning Greek restaurant. With traditional recipes passed down through generations, each dish promises a story and a piece of heritage. And Nostos is more than just a restaurant. It's a community contributor. Each dining experience supports initiatives close to their heart, from local charities to cultural events, enriching Brighton and Hove's social fabric. They also provide catering services, bringing Greek cuisine to your personal events. For a taste of Greece without leaving town, visit nostos-hove.co.uk. And when you do go, say Sam recommended the Feta Nests. Oh my God, they are amazing. Okay, welcome to the first episode of Series 6 of the podcast. And wow, what a way to kick off. I'm truly honoured today to welcome British figure skating royalty. He's four-time British national champion, three-time world medalist, 1980 European champion and 1980 Olympic champion. I'm truly delighted to welcome the one and only Robin Cousins MBE to the podcast. Well, thank you very much and I'm thrilled to be here. 
Well then, uh, honestly, look, it's been great to obviously get to know you a little bit over the last couple of years just through mm-hmm. uh, our mutual friends at the Star Trust, um, yeah. which I know you're an ambassador for. So, um, but wow, what an honour to, to have you on. And, Thank um, you. Yeah, really excited to, to jump straight in. Yeah, please so, do. <laughs> well, look, we get, as always, with the podcast, we have our life, our life in 60 seconds, we call mm-hmm. it. So we're going to, because for me, everyone's story starts somewhere and I want to delve a little bit into it. So just tell me a little bit of a snapshot, something from your childhood that helped shape the person who sits in front of me today. Uh, first one I can think of was when I did my first learn to skate class. Uh, my feet were quite small. We couldn't afford brand new boots. So my mother found a second class, a second hand pair of white boots. My dad painted them black and I wore them um for my learn to skate class and the teacher said well first of all you're never going to make it because you're too tall you're too impetuous and you don't do what everyone else is doing and those are the three reasons i won the olympics (laughs) (laughs) i love that i love that well (laughs) talk to me again then let's 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 delve a little bit into mm. life growing up because you grew up in Bristol, Bristol yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously you developed that passion for ice skating quite a, y- a young age, didn't you? Yeah, it was it was almost instant, in as much as my dad was a, had been an apprentice at Millwall Football Club before the war. My brothers were both along with my dad into team sports. Mm. I for some reason I wasn't I wasn't interested in sports. I loved to run, I loved to swim, I used to jump, and I used to like to go fast. And those things never changed. That was the sort of the constants. Mm. But so jumping off walls onto the beach when we were kids and cartwheels, handstands, and, and I am a, I like things to be now. I'm not about the journey. I'm about the destination. So really boom, well, okay. let's go. Um, and then I saw Gene Kelly dancing on screen and thought, oh, look at that. I want, and I said to my mother, I want to do what he's doing. And at the time, I was the, I was the youngest of the three children. And... My mum's thinking, how do I tell my sports mad husband that his youngest son wants to dance? Cut a long story short, my dad said, well, Millwall Football Club at the time were one of the first teams to bring in a ballet teacher to help them stretch and s- keep fit and mm-hmm. stop getting injured. And if it was good enough for Millwall, it was good enough for his son. So I got to start dancing classes at sort of five, or five six, seven. Um, and that's that was that freedom. That was that freedom of movement for me. So it was a bit of gymnastics, a bit of dancing, um, and then yeah, I f- I found skating one afternoon when we were on holiday in Bournemouth, and the rest, as they say, is history. Wow! wow. <coughs> and what, I'm keen, when you mentioned you like at the starting point, those three anyway, people go, yeah. oh, you, you can't do that, or you, you're never going to achieve that. Constantly. What, what, but what was then? As your mindset, what? to go, I'm not going to listen to that. Where does that come from? That, I, I, that I suppose it was the encouragement. of The one thing about my my parents, we might get into a bit of their personal history, which I think informs how my brothers and I a, were brought up and how we are. The S word was never part of our culture, sacrifice. Nobody sacrificed anything. Mm. We did what we wanted to do. Maybe at the expense of something else, but it was never considered to be a sacrifice. Our parents never said, well, I'm sacrificing this in order for you to do that. It's costing us this to do that. It was always a supportive environment. My, my, at one point, I was going down to the ice rink first thing in the morning. One of them was taxi drivers down. 
Then in the afternoon, my brothers were at Bristol Grammar School when I was at Henbury Comprehensive because I, I always say I failed my 11 plus in order to not have to go to school on Saturday because that was skating days. So, But then in the afternoon, my brothers were playing rugby, cricket or football, whatever it would be, and we would go and watch them. And then my middle brother was playing a musical instrument in the Bristol Youth Orchestra, and we would go and support that. So the family was incredibly supportive, not only of collectively as a family, but of what we all wanted to do. Mm. My brothers even did an extra paper round if there was an extra bit of money that was needed for me to be able to go to a, an extra skating lesson before a competition or for whatever it would be. We we all mucked in. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. And I um, sort of coming a bit sideways is that the, I've always thought the more people, yeah, they're not talking about you, they're talking about someone else. So let's, don't worry about it, they're talking about you. Mm. It's a good thing. Um, and also then that question, as you say, the more you get told you shouldn't or can't or won't or mustn't, mm. it's your job to figure out why are they saying that. Might be some truth in it, but you still want to find out yourself. Mm. Obviously, you're not going to put fingers in a socket when they say don't. <laughs> but the idea that I was taught too tall to skate or you're not. You're not. You're too impetuous. You're not listening. You're not. And you're not. More importantly, you're not doing what everybody else is doing. The reason the skating was exciting to me, I was doing dancing classes, and of course the 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 curriculum then was so strict. Everybody does exactly the same thing. You look the same. You you do the same. And I was like, what? I've already done that bit. I want to move on, do my own thing. In skating, you learn exactly what everybody else does, but in your own way. I get. I would teach you the way I was taught by mm. the person who was taught them who taught them. Mm. I'm not looking at a textbook and saying it says here you have to do it so and so. Obviously, in our industry, when you get to a certain level in any sport, there are certain things that have to be exact and have to be precise. But how you do it mm. is really down to the personal feeling and the opinion of that person. So it was very much of, you know, I always say make as many mistakes as you can. Just try not to make the same mistake a second time. Mm. Because you don't learn if you don't make them. Yeah. You can't go through life, try, oh, I'm, 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 that might not happen, that might not work. So, yeah. I don't know where it came from. But you developed that, that, but that belief, like that ability to go, it's okay to make mistakes and, and, and do that. You, that was dad, age. I think. Yeah. A, a lot of it came from, from dad with all of us. It was, you know, oh, do you know my brother didn't play well, I didn't skate well. Well, that's fine. That's all right. And my mother would say, I don't care. As long as she come off the ice in one piece, which is the way he went on. <laughs> yeah. What happens in between is immaterial to me. Yeah. But then we would, the, the analysis of that or of a rugby game or of or cricket, oh, I got bowled out. I didn't do that. So, okay, but it's the whys. Yeah. So then what can you do next time to try and avoid that? Or you now you know when he's bowling, you're going to have to do so-and-so. You've got to shift this. You've got to do, you have, you, you know, how to work with the obstacles. Mm. You know, you can't figure out, See, all these many, many years later, people say to you, you know, but, but did you always know? I said, well, I, I suppose I did because there's no such thing as I've done it, so now give me everything. What it means is that people, some people might open the door for you. It would be lovely. Mm. Or you think, actually, I want, I'll go and find the bloody key. I don't care. I'll find the key and I'll knock it down or I'll hit, hit it down because I think what's on the other side is worth it. Mm. You know, nothing, nothing comes for nothing. There's, yeah. There has to be consequences and there have to be reasons, and you, you figure them out. Yeah. I guess, it, it, and being cu like curiosity is something like a, a value, I, f I guess, 
that I've got that I've, mm-hmm. I've, one of the reasons I do the podcast right because I'm just curious I find it fascinating having those conversations I try and teach the kids and my twins are eight now and, and to be curious and what's like you mentioned what's right. on the other side of the, the door yeah. right yeah. and I guess for for you I guess uh, at that young age being curious like going out and, and trying that and falling a hundred times but yeah. then landing once and going okay now I get it yeah. and that once informs how you fall 20 times the next time rather than 40 times mm-hmm. and as much as you get things wrong when it goes right take that little nugget and figure out how can I apply what I did right there to these other things that are constantly going wrong yeah. you know uh, even with young coaches now with the mentoring I do it's like you know don't don't assume they know what they're doing when it's going well Get them to tell you what they're doing because what they think they're doing and what they are doing might be two different things. Don't only try and fix things that are wrong. Make sure they're aware of what they're doing when it's right because that's also an encourage, a form of encouragement because, as, as I say, you figured something out on one jump and there's five other jumps. You can figure it out on one, pretty much everything. Find that common denominator between the other five and you'll have six. They might not all be this perfect. They might not all work. But again, Try and encourage them to use use their own abilities. You know, a lot of people come up to me and they say, oh, my kid is really, really talented. You know, they really should be doing so and so and so. Yeah, but it's a useless if they don't want to use the talent. Yeah. Give me a kid who has that hunger for knowledge, who wants to learn the craft. They'll figure it out, the rest. It's not about a, ta- a talent. Talent is great. But talent does things because they can, not because they know how. And generally, and I know this because I'm one of them, they don't want to know how because they don't need to. But in the skating world, and kids come up to me and say, oh, I've lost my jump, I've lost my axle, I've lost my doubles. I said, where did it go, shopping? You haven't (laughs) lost it. Your body knows how to do it, but your brain doesn't. And of course, when your brain, when your body doesn't quite feel like it that day, you can't figure it out in your brain because you've actually not learned the mechanics of it or you haven't taken it in to be able to do it yourself so your your parents end up paying this coach the same thing to tell you the same thing they told you last week and the week before and the week before it's like at some point you have to start taking ownership and responsibility and that's something that you learn very quickly for me it was how how can i not fall as much how can i still (laughs) go really fast and get it right and it was again that's when it comes back to Something that I said to you when we were talking at an event, I said, you know, it's I never, and I tell people this all the time, it's not about who you are. I never won anything because of what I did. It was how I did it. And I just made sure that I did it. Why would I want to be like everybody else? Yeah. Oh, there's, so, there's so many things for me to, to, to take away from that. I love the, the conversation around talent and... Oh, yeah. Actually, perseverance and and determination and self belief and all we'll those always over, we'll over always win out. We'll always win out because that's such an important thing. Like not just in skating, in life in general, yeah. in ev- everything that we do in life. In bit, oh, there's got so many. I guess you know a lot of our listeners are run their own businesses, entrepreneurs, and kind of. But there's so much in in that for me that you're saying right. about whatever whatever talent people have, whatever skill set you've got. Nothing can be determination, hard work. And See, I'm watching how animated you are mm. and how passionate you are about what you're doing as you're talking to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same way as I am about my job. 
it isn't about what you get from it. It's the thing itself that yeah. is the joy. And I suppose my one comp major big complaint, huge, is that you try to explain to kids these days that people actually just do things because they love it, not because they're going to make money out of it or get something out of it or it's going to give them this or there's a return. Mm -hmm. And they look at you like you're speaking in a, a foreign language from another planet. Mm -hmm. Why on earth would you want to do that is the, is the look. And they kind of go, what do you mean? Who do you want to be or what do you want to be when you grow up? And, of course, they'll reel off these names and you go, but how do you think they got where they are now? It doesn't matter whether it's Tiger Woods, David Beckham, me, Torvalini, whoever. We didn't start out because we wanted to go to the Olympics. We found something that gave us a thrill. And that thrill, as long as that thrill is there, you can succeed. Mm. And that has nothing to do with money. <laughs> This is, you know what? And yeah. kids don't want to know that because they just think oh, I can get on telly. I, 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 I can have my fifty. Go, go ahead, have fifteen minutes, but give me the person who's interested in doing the work to get fifteen years. God, so it's almost like music to my ears. Like when I, I the, the, the tagline of the podcast is helping the world to see success differently, right? Because for me, society still very much so that people's success is measured by potentially financial status sure. or, or or achievements or what, right. whatever that may right. look like. Whereas actually, no, it's one thing I want to try and teach market is, is the fact that as long as you love what you do, as long as there's that passion, there's that right. love for what you do, there's the, the other, the money and other bits will come, will come. And if, and if that's, what it is but do something that fills you up and yeah and, and if you're fun. lucky you can find that yeah 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 yeah. people always a lot of people are friends now with their sort of teenage kids saying oh, you know they're trying to decide what they want to do with their career and there's there's so many options i said well first thing i always tell this to kids instead of thinking what you want to do start listing the things you don't want to do mm. things that you have no interest in all of a sudden you'll find that some of those things from that column actually appear in the in the possibles mm. and things you might want. Instead of saying there's 100 things that I might be able to do, you could probably eliminate at least 30 mm. instantly. Mm. That I have no interest in that, no interest in And all of a sudden, you narrow things down and then write down the things that make you tick and see where they match and go, oh, okay. And again, it's a learning process. Life is a learning process. Mm. You know, as I say, make the mistakes. Try something. You only know if you don't like it. If you haven't, how can you say I don't like it? You haven't tried it. Yeah. I mean, certainly with foods for me, I am not exactly what I want to eat. <laughs> I don't need to try it. <laughs> but I think you know, the, just allow allow yourself to make the mistakes and be wrong. Mm. And I think with with kids going forwards, is you you can't. Back in our day, we didn't. And I left school when I was fifteen, for goodness' sake. Mm. Um, but I was already traveling internationally. I'd seen more of the world than my geography teacher had um but it was you just why not yeah. it's interesting to all, all someone see when we were talking about doing me doing this podcast mm. with you and i said well generally with people who say can you do so and so would you like to kind of ask they'll either say yes or no and it'll either be no now but let's do something in a month or a year you know there's no all they can do is say no yeah. That's the thing. It's not a horrible word. Never be. I, I'm, I am. I'm, I'm a big believer in that. I ask the question. 
Yeah. Like you said, the, what's the worst that can happen? The, yeah. Uh, and but uh, it's interesting. I want. I'd love to tap in a little bit to that around, like you mentioned about school. Mm. Obviously, you had a focus, I guess, from that young age and a passion that you'd found. Yeah, yeah. I guess some people maybe out there haven't found that yet and don't find that at a young age. Um, but what, what, what are your thoughts around education? Because you mentioned we're not really set up. Our system doesn't allow us to make mistakes and foul like it's not geared up for that What's your... <laughs> I put slightly sideways I had a conversation with a famous Russian skater back in the day and the question she had for me was and it was quite late it was Olympic level so she said what what is leisure she said because they have no translation for that in Russian and of course it was you do things properly or not at all mm. that doesn't mean to say that you have to be an olympian if you're going to do it's like it's like adult skaters people who are swimming well into their 70s it's their jo- again it goes back to the joy mm. and um one of the things she said because you do maths and history and geography and biology and sport they're all considered sport is an academic career mm. not something you do for fun so again if you were kicking a football around, playing field hockey, basketball, a little bit, netball, rounders, we all were kids. You know, those things are the stuff that schools were able to provide. But, of course, in a lot of these other countries, and certainly in my sport, you know, ice hockey is huge, and there are peewee clubs. There are 15, 16 ice rinks around because all the universities and high schools have ice rinks Mm. because they have hockey teams, and it's part of the, the thing. So it's... Ice rinks, a few and far between, not that many more nowadays than there were 40, 50 years ago when I was starting out. It's, mm. it's, but again, it's it's all relative to what's required. But going back to the edge, so the education thing for me is, is yes, everybody wants a, a, a good base. But I think we now know that allowing that creative, the creative juices to start to flow of somebody. Mm. And again, have them finding out earlier in their life what they have no interest in. Don't make them do something if they have no interest, but find something similar. Mm-hmm. that go, well, if you don't like that, but you might like this type of thing. Mm-hmm. But that means you're having to be a lot more individual as opposed to putting everybody in a pen, giving them a pen, putting a teacher in front. And it's it's very, very difficult. But then mm-hmm. the internet is a availability. There's things available now in terms of education that was <laughs> wasn't even invented 15 years ago let alone back in my yeah. day or your day or anybody yeah, else yeah. so it's it's always it is always difficult but a part of it is the attention span now too mm. for people to actually think that I have to I, I can't get it in 10 minutes no you're gonna have to do at least three weeks Ooh, it's I, yeah. <laughs> it's, instant, it's gratification. instant gratification yes and there is no such thing I completely. Uh, I, I spoke on a previous podcast about this exact thing about delayed gratification. How we, that, like, you know, markets even still like now they. I would just get saying on Amazon it'll be here tomorrow, and this it's like there's n- there's no like you said you, you relate back to hard work and effort that you put in. And the you. gratification of for me, still here we are, forty odd plus years later being able to put my skates on and get on the ice into my happy place mm. with other kids who I know at their age are feeling what I felt 
when I was their age. And that's the thing you try and move on. And all, even through Star Trust, doing these little skating sessions, we did it. Uh, yeah. We do it, the Worthing Rink over Christmas, and people have paid. So uh, it's just great to have four or five people who have never been on the ice before, and at the end of the session, going around, having a lovely time, and going, oh, this is a, it's, it's, it is, for me, it can be a joyous place, and, and skating is great because mum, dad, grandma, grandkids can all do it at the same time. Yeah. Recreationally, it's fine. But it's weird. <laughs> you do it. Christmas drinks pop up every year. It's fine. Yeah. And it's busy, and it's wonderful. But I think it's the, the, the gratification of just being in a position to do what you love regardless of whether you're any good at it mm. but if it gives you joy please keep going mm. and pass that on again it's not about being an olympian it's not about being on telly it's not about being a super you know being a pop star it's about being to being able to sing or i just want to dance or i love to be in a club or i want to i want to play golf every week and be absolutely appalling mm. but try taking me off that golf course that's that's the thing yeah. it's that thing you can't buy that thing people are born with this ability and then it's everybody has their own ability it's finding where it best fits yeah. and everybody should be allowed to find their best fit I love that I know so much of, 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 of that that you're saying about going through life whatever stage we're at Finding those things that light us up mm. and that give us joy, and mm. and trying to do more of them, and, yeah. and that's yes. because yes. it was it's, you come we get to the, get to our deathbed and we look around and you go, oh, I don't want to be there. Going, I wish I had. Wish what I had if? Tried. Yeah, the I what if that. scenario. Yeah. You never. People say, oh, yeah. I mean, I have that a lot with people who say, well, no, it was different for you. It wasn't. Yeah. I would like to think it was different. For you now, in a better way, yeah. but it's not necessarily that way. If something. If you want something badly enough, you'll figure out how to do it. Yeah. Again, that's just to have a go and just to try, yeah. and then okay, this is what I'm going to need to do to be really good at it, and that's what it's going to cost. Okay. Reality check. Yeah. Some things you can't have because you can't afford them, or they can't. Okay, so again, find a way around. Find something similar. Find another way to use that inspiration that you've now discovered that you've got for something mm -hmm. um and it's yeah the, the mentoring thing is great because it's trying to get that light bulb moment in people who don't think they have a light bulb mm -hmm. yeah. let alone that they are the switch to turn it on or turn it off or change color mm -hmm. um and that the simplicity is we all have the thing in us yeah. how we choose to use it is up to you how, how hard you want to work for it but nothing nothing will ever come to you for nothing yeah I love that and I guess when listening to you talk I'm assuming is one of the reasons that you you, you support the Star Trust so much and such a, an ambassador yeah. advocate for them because of exactly that it's the it's kids thing that's that's always been my, my um, not to dwell and to delve in but my my father had TV, TB in the war when he was um, stationed in South Africa him and my mother were engaged, and he broke off the engagement because I'm not going to be alive. So you know, my mother would write back to him saying, I didn't get your last letter, so I don't know what went on. And that, that's a, they. he was brought back. He survived miraculously and came through it. And I remember him bringing his wet film home and saying, I'm done. I don't have to go back anymore. They also lost their first child to meningitis 
at a very early age. And so I'm actually number four of four, although three, three of us that are alive now. And it was, I think, as I said earlier, the, their history informed how we have ours. Um, and so they were very grateful and we were a, my dad was a civil servant in the old days anybody old enough to remember you used to send your car tax to Cardiff my dad and, and it used to come from Cardiff down to Bristol City Council offices and my dad was that person who used to stamp your <laughs> motor tax and put it in the little disc that went in the window mum did a couple of different um, secretarial jobs to do what we needed to do we mucked in you know council house we everybody yeah it's the mucking in and doing what you can and we I, we I loved it and we all loved it and I got to skate my brothers got to do their thing and we were never asked to do anything other than respect the time and the effort that had been taken to get us to where we wanted to be whether it was the cricket pitch the concert hall the ice rink you know they were happy to be taxi drivers just don't take that taxi driver for granted mm. i would you know walk down up to the bus stop at seamills and take the number 42 down park street and then walk across into the ice rink and then do my early mornings and then get the bus back you know do, do school you do what you need to do mm. and you find out sometimes you need those hardships i always talk about when i first went to london i was living in my nine pound a bed sit and stocking shelves at whiteley's department store you find out how badly you want something by what you're willing to do for it mm. uh, two, two years was enough of that <laughs> yeah. um and then you know my life kind of changed a little bit leading up t towards the olympics but then in the in within all of that there was a whole this thing in the back of my head with leds barnsley telling me as a 16 year old what are you going to do if your career's over because i missed my first world championship because of my first knee surgery the second one was going at that point and I thought well it can't be over because I haven't had one yet mm. and we didn't have team GB didn't exist we didn't have a physio we didn't know anything about it and there is something to be said I think for the less you know the easier it is to just get on and do something mm. so now of course if we know so much about joints and what you should and shouldn't be able to do as an athlete and you know we read it all the time athlete careers are over because of a broken bone in the foot or knee joints going I well no one was going to tell me it's over I was going to figure out how to do what I needed to do and compensate my back suffered as a result of the knees and in three weeks time I'm having the final surgery I'm calling a halt and I'm getting a full knee replacement um, but I cannot complain what the eight surgeries have allowed me to do, including two surgeries before I even got to the Olympics. It's, you know, that's the thing people forget or don't think about. And I, but I didn't know any better. I didn't know any different. Mm -hmm. So the f after the first surgery, and these were under the knife. So this was before arthroscopic surgeries and keyholes <laughs> and all that. So, you know, it was 18 weeks, I think, for the recovery from the first knee surgery. And when I had the second one done a year and a half later, two years later, Les was like, come on then, we know what we did last time, we'll do it. And we, we were back on, I was back on the ice in 14, 15 weeks. It was great. Mm. Um, you know, now they get you up walking the next day. <laughs> 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 but it's like, okay, that's, that's what I'm stuck with. That's what I'm stuck with. There's no excuses. You can't, you know, you can't make excuses about it. You, you choose to put yourself out there. Mm. So you, you deal with it.
but now you can have the people around you who can help you deal with it, help organize it. And yeah, I wanted to get this last surgery in before my surgeon retires in a couple of years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, so many things. I mean, look, I'm, can you still pinpoint a time like you started skating, you found that joy and that passion, that thing that lights you Can Do you remember a point where you thought, I'm going to get to the Olympics and be, I'm going to be an Olympic champion. Was there Well, a... I think the year in, back in, back in the early days mm. for me, the novice and junior championships were at the beginning of the year and the senior championship was at, in the December before mm. the, at the beginning of what was then the international season. And I had won the British junior championships in the March in 1972 which allowed me to compete in the 72-73 season British Senior Championship that same year. Mm. So there was only three of us in it. John Curry was number one, Michael Fish number two. I was third in my first championship. I don't tell anyone there was only three in it. <laughs> Shh, keep that a secret. Um, and then you you go, okay, I'm, I'm on the senior squad now. I did get to the European Championships in 1973 because of John's placement. It allowed us three placements. Um, and then in 1974, I had second year senior. I was now number two behind John and your first world championships in Munich. And I was literally and in Munich at the event when my knee snapped and I had to withdraw from my first world championship. And that, that was a pivotal moment for me when I went, this isn't happening again. And I had no idea. That was the first knee surgery. I had no idea what, what it was going to tell or what was going to happen. And it's the right leg, which is the, the, the leg I picked my topics in to rotate, to jump. It's the landing leg. It's the one that took the most strain mm. always is from a skater. You're jumping, rotating. You're landing on this little blade on that one. The ankles are fully encased in the boots that are very heavy and the blades are the knees, hips, back. The knees are what, what, what takes the... Mm. And again, being taller, going faster, I was jumping higher than anybody else, and I was that idiot who was trying to go longer than anybody else. And so, yeah, it, self-inflicted probably, partly, <laughs> but there was no other way for me to do it. That was the thing. Um, and then in 1977, at the World Championships in Tokyo, I was now then on a podium at the European Championships, got my first taste of a medal. And that was when I kind of went, okay, is this... And I did sit down with my family and say, is this it? I'm a bronze medalist in the European Championships. I am doing in a week what most of my competitors are doing in a day in terms of time. Are we at that point? Is it done? And that's when I had the opportunity, the, the, the offer, to go and train in America, which would take me for the next three years to Olympics. So, But then I had to get through 1977, and I had already had the injury with the left leg, and I was literally in the middle of my free program and I went through my leg out and I went to step on it and it wasn't there and I literally clawed off the ice and that was the second surgery and the my the British coach that we had never traveled wouldn't travel internationally she would only take a train she would never fly so Carla Fossey who had taught John Curry to Olympic gold four years earlier alongside Dorothy Hamill in that same Olympics Peggy Fleming four years before that he had invited me to his training camp to see if we could get along and, he, and and we could make that happen. So he said he would look after me at the championships in Tokyo. 
and it was amazing. He got the German team doctor to strap me up. He got this, did everything he possibly could with his wife and, and kit to get me on the ice. And they got me through two days of the events, but the third one, it, yeah, I was done. And then it was after that that, uh, <sighs> show my age, Zetter's Pools. Paul and Helen Zetter, who ran the Zetter's Pools, the old days when you used to do your pools. Yeah. They had started, and they were very instrumental in in a what was then the, the early days of Sports Aid Foundation. And Sports Aid Southwest had been incredibly supportive of me. And I was getting a, a, a small, tiny, but very important money to help towards training, et cetera, et cetera. And in that year, 77, 78, the National Sports Aid Foundation gave two awards, and we're giving two quite substantial awards, one to the Winter Olympics and one to the Summer Olympics for two uh, the two athletes, most likely two. And Sepco was given one, and I was given the other. And sport without Sports Aid Foundation, I'm not going to say I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now, because you know me, I've said it, I'd have found a way. We'd have, we'd have found a way. But that took the stress off having to work, my parents having to find this extra where, where the funding would come and I could actually train in the States for those two years leading up to the Olympics alongside a, quite a few of my competitors when I needed to to be able to compete in the events that made sense according to Carlo and Krista in order to have my journey mm -hmm. to get to the Olympics so that it made sense um, from a competition competitive point of view and, and, and have it work so even though I was on a podium at the World Championship, I was European um, silver medalist. I still, I still at that point was fairly piecemeal in terms of training and how I could do it and mm. going to the gym to try and do circuit training to try and put a bit more body weight on to get a bit more meat to get some pressure into the ice to get the blades to to sit heavier mm. so I wasn't sliding around so much. It was, yeah, and those two years in in the states gave me that opportunity and gave me what i needed in order to put my best feet forward <laughs> i can't believe i just said that i caught myself you saw that you know, as i was saying I was like, oh no can't say that it's coming to them. um and and go into the olympics in, or into those two years knowing that i was not going to have that what if if only conversation in my head it's up to you. Then you got it. Someone's given it to you. You've got to use it. And be grateful and be thankful. See, listening to the conversation up until now, that word you've just used, grateful, has come out on, on what, how your parents felt after mm -hmm. loss of their first child, and then obviously with, with you guys coming on that. That, that feeling of it's such an important thing in life to just be grateful for where you are right yeah. now. Right. I always like to tell a, a, a cute story. With a, we're doing an interview, our post-Olympic interview, somewhere. Um, and I wasn't at an ice rink. I don't know where we were. And I was not in the room at the time. My parents and someone, someone went up to my mother and said, how's your son? How's your fantastic son? And my mother's answer was, which one? Obviously, 
he knew exactly who we were talking about, but my mother just <laughs> put it in perspective for her. She said, which one? And that's that's all. It's always been that way, and I think yeah. that's important. Which is why my brothers and I we all still talk, yeah, we all get yeah. along, and it's lovely. Um, and not being frivolous, but that was the thing. It was, I I was doing exactly what my brothers were doing, and they were doing what I was doing, but mine was in a, in the public eye. Okay, I'm just going to say something about one of our sponsors, Rivervale. The world of cars, vans, and minibuses is often a pain point for many of us. The hassle of finding the right vehicle, let alone looking after it are all more things to add to our lists as busy people. Rivervale's mission is to make motoring manageable, and that's why they provide leasing, purchasing, servicing, and vehicle management. So whether you have one family car or a fleet of vans for your business, Rivervale are your trusted vehicle supplier. Visit www.rivervale.co.uk. Okay, let's jump back to the podcast. And then... Things I really want to. There's so many questions going through. <laughs> but other, other, like, so, you, you talk as well. Leaving school at, at, mm. at 15, mm. you, I guess that. Um, I must I clarify because I'm a summer a summer baby, August, right, right, right. and that was the last year where you could leave school before your 16th birthday, knowing that you would be 16 in, in the, the same year. Right, 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 Following okay. year, you had to be 16. To get my, 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 okay. So I would have had to go on, yeah, it would have been my 17th year to leave school. There was no way that was happening. Again, back to this whole thing about that mindset and that determination to, the, and the discipline, I guess, to get up early and go skating. You've obviously you've got the love and the passion there, but still at a young age, you have that discipline. Mm. Talk to me about that that mindset of, of having that. The the school thing was was actually very again comprehensive school and and uh, Mr. Luger who was the headmaster he was he was one of the ones that was very incredibly supportive. My parent we talked to him talked very found the one there were one or two teachers who weren't happy at all thought it was ridiculous that I was doing sport instead of having an getting an ap- academic career. Mm. I knew. If, if the skating wasn't going to go, I was. I liked to draw, paint. I, I had. I was creative. I was going to do something creative anyway. I'd have. I'd have there were there were avenues, hmm. and we had them all, and I had everything. We had all the paperwork. I was n- not interested in it at the time because I had. A, I did have a focus. It was like, how do I do what I want to do, and how do I do it right? Hmm. Um, and right now, I can't do that in school. Uh, and then the way I was then already competing internationally, I already had medals internationally, not yet at European and world level, but I was I was on that way. And that's yeah. that, again, that's that moment. And it was the sit down with me. This is this is not a decision to take lightly. We certainly didn't take it lightly. Um, but Plan B, Plan C, Plan D, Plan E were absolutely talked about, and the mm. the, reali- the reality check, as I like to call it, coming in with that was but it was very I, I i'm assuming it was very clear <laughs> what i wanted and where i was going mm. and i would have always i would have ended up in holiday and ice i would have ended up performing i would have ended up coaching regardless of what happened at the olympics mm. um because that thing with those things on my feet in my as i call it my happy place and my white canvas wasn't going to go away and i didn't need the olympics to make that happen because then it's, it's again, it's, it's 
saying that this is where your happiness and fulfilment lies. Mm. It's not, I want to get an Olympic gold and I'm going to delay my happiness until I get that. No, no, and I don't think that many, well, certainly not in the Western world and not in my world and my competitors. It was the joy, the joy of what we did was always there. Mm. And it was so great because, and it's, it, it went through a phase, I'm going to say in the 90s, 2000s, and the noughties, where it was, it became a bit everybody doing the same thing, so a bit cookie cutter of mm. everybody doing the same thing. Whereas now, there's it's there's more freedom in how you can create what you want to perform out there in the international skating world. Um, you know, and of course after after myself and then Torbi Torval and Dean, everyone we we're going to everyone to try and skate like that. Well, you can't. Yeah. You can try and emulate it, but actually take what they've done and then eventually it happened with the Canadians take what they've done and take it to the next level you know use what someone else is giving you mm. and visualize it and go, then do your own version of it mm. so you know we're now and it's it's great I love watching um, and I can still be creative and, and choreographing and know that there's no rules for what I need to do if I'm teaching or doing something with the holiday and ice mm. or if I'm choreographing with the students it's the first thing is question for you what do you want to say because this is this is you writing a sentence about yourself. So you know, or I would say to some kids, you spend all day being yourself. Set foot on the ice, put your skates on, and give yourself a fantasy name. Do something else. Be whoever you want in your head that allows you that freedom to just show off. Because that ultimately, that's what you're. If you're going to put yourself in a stadium, whether there's three people in there or four thousand people in there, ultimately your job is to show off. Yeah. Not to be better than somebody else, but to show off in a way that they get your attention and they give you what you have asked for. Mm. And people always like get people come up and say, "Oh, you know that judge really hates me. They don't like me." So they haven't got a clue who you are. They don't like your skating, but they haven't got a clue who you are. Fix the skating, and you'll suddenly find out. Oh, they, that's rather nice. I <laughs> yeah. like that. You know, don't don't take it personally. Just figure out what you're going to do right. Or the the you know the great miss says, "Oh, I'm going to beat so and so this year." I said, "Well, that's really good, because you could go and beat that person, and then someone else comes along and beats both of you. So we haven't actually achieved anything. So how about beating yourself? What was your PB? What was your what what mistakes did you make last time? Okay, now how about only making one of those and maybe making something else better? That's the goal every time to to, to for betterment." And it just takes that pressure out because by the time you get to Olympics, no one's out there to beat each other. Mm. They're out to do their. They're there to do their job. And that's, uh, that's such a valuable lesson for me. Listening to that, like that, there's because there's so much in society again, especially with with social media now that we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people, as opposed to just going, "Can I be the best version of myself? What am I doing? Am I going to be the best version of myself?" And actually, we go on social media, we see people's highlights. Oh, look how well they're doing, and look how well they're doing, and you're trying to beat other people or right. get better than them. But I find social media a bit odd. Um, I call it the three Bs. You're either bragging, begging, or bemoaning. <laughs> like, it's, it's, social media works great when it's helpful to other people. But if it's you know, and, and it's, people can be can be very proud of what they've done. Do I need to tell a bunch of people that I have no idea who don't know me? I have no idea who they are. That I have just done that. Mm. It's it's great to 
uh, for endorsements and to push things out there, and I and I use it not probably not as much as I would like, though I probably should. Um, but you again, you get lost down those rabbit holes of mm. videos and scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Going, Hang on a minute, that's two hours or an hour, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I could have been doing something productive yeah, 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 yeah. instead of watching and and looking at what other people might be doing yeah. when I could be doing something else. Um, it it has absolutely has its great purposes and um but it cannot be the reason to exist <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, yeah no i agree with and uh, i guess what strikes me with you like th- and, and having this type of this conversation is your 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 level of self-awareness now but actually looking listen to you talk about even as a uh, at a younger age, had you, had you always had that, like a really well, good level of self-awareness? Yes, but I didn't know. Okay. I did. Again, you don't. You don't know. Now, 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 I am very aware. Was I like that? Did I do that? Was that the reason I did things? I don't know. I suppose hindsight is a wonderful thing, and I and I'm very clear in helping move people forward that that are trying to do um, or version of what I did regardless of whether it's sport or otherwise mm. just and it comes back to you know take the skates off the feet the mindset is exactly the same no matter what it's going to be for mm. um, the only other thing I've, I've just you know I've, I always say now you know you can do whatever you want just earn the right to to do to do that or have that have you put the homework in do you know the history of this in order to inform know your history to inform your future type of thing mm. it's Oh, I, I can I, I can do that. Well, have you looked on YouTube to see all those people that have already done that over the past 50 years? So what version of yours is going to make it better than those other hundreds of them? Oh, I, I have no idea. Okay, you, how can you <laughs> how can you do that if you don't know your history? And that's the same with lots of skaters. Look at things and go, oh, that, look at that, it's brand new. I said, actually, no, there's a video from 1984 of somebody doing that, even earlier. There is no such thing as a new thing. Everything old is new again. Um, earn the right is a good one. Yeah, you can do whatever you want, just earn the right. Love that. Over that, you've talked a little bit about, um, you obviously alluded to your, your knee injuries. Mm. And, and the chance. Talk, would that be, if, you, if I, you go back and look at your career and you're like, would that, would that, was that the biggest challenges that you faced throughout your yeah. career? Yeah. Um, and I th- again... <laughs> Part of what I think helped was that I didn't have, there wasn't that much information about athletes' injuries. There was, you know, sports science didn't exist in the 70s. Mm. Um, it was something that was, and biomechanics and all this. And again, there's so much information available now. Some people might even just start mm. based on the fact that they don't fit the, mod- the, the module. Mm. Well, then... <laughs> Move the parameters, figure it out. And that's what we had to do. Um, I talked about Tokyo and, and the World Championship. I ended up having to do a specific element on the wrong leg going the wrong way in order to, to do it because it was a required element for that event. Mm-hmm. But was it great? Of course not. But did I do it? Yes. And did I lose points? No. But I did what I was required to do just on the other foot, going backwards. It was just... It was an odd thing, but you figure it out. That's the thing. You figure it out, and that's 
that's such a win-win situation is that you can't look at a problem. Problems are to be there to be solved or worked around. You can't ignore them. <laughs> they can't be eliminated. It's such a it's such a valuable lesson for anyone. But this is stuff that you learn by by allowing yourself to go through that process and looking back on it. And again, I, you know, we we probably would be having this conversation, and not many words would have changed had I been second or fifth at the Olympics or not even got to that Olympics. Yeah. You know, it's 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 never a given. And as long as I was on the ice and I could skate, okay, now what? That's all you want is now what? Because that's because then you're not defined by your achievements, but you're defined by right what you do. Right? And I think I'd already made the decisions, but certainly again because of surgeries and things. Now I had I had medals and I had done this and I was world medals and the Olympics was a pinnacle. You know, did I really want to try and figure out another four years, or is that no? I'd actually done what I wanted to do, and my thing was performing. Mm. So I knew that I wanted to join an ice show. I knew that I wanted to enjoy what my skill was yeah. and not worry about nine judges deciding whether or not they thought it was good enough. Yeah. As Carlo, it's funny, he, he said this in another way to John Curry, but when he said to me, he said, you know, you have to understand, he said, the judges are there for free. The audience are the ones who are paid to see you because they're the skating fans. Skate for them and make the judges think they've missed something. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And it's just, okay, yeah. It's yeah. exactly, yeah, the joy of what you do. Yeah. And that was the thing coming into the Olympic cycle in terms of music and how I was going to skate. He had done it with John Corey four years before. John was very balletic, wanted to, to be a ballet dancer on ice. Mm. And Carlo's reaction to John, and he told me this, he said, I said, you can do exactly what you want, but you have to give them what they need in order to, for them not to ignore who you are and what you're doing. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Four years, jump three and a half years later and we're looking at material and he said, you know, you do these exhibitions and you have the disco music going and the people and crowds are going crazy. We have to try and find something like that to compete with. It was like, disco music? <laughs> Judges aren't, they're not going to like it. He said, they don't ha and again, they don't, they don't have to like it, yeah. but they have to know that it, you get it and the audience get it and you're delivering what they want. And even now, when kids go, you know, finding music and, and judges, judges will say, we don't have to like what you do, mm. but your performance of it has to make perfect sense to us under the rules for us to go, well, then that's a so-and-so, and that's a tick, that's a tick, that's a mm. tick. You know, it's not a, we're not dealing in the 6-0 and 5.9 anymore. Yeah. Everything has a value, but so what is, what is the value? Does it make sense? So I always say to myself, if I don't believe what you're performing, how am I supposed to? Well, because that means you're doing what you think you should do rather than what you want to do and tell us who you are. And all of a sudden your score goes up and you haven't done anything differently. I love, for, for me, what I take from that very much is about I'm, I'm obviously a fan of storytelling. And obviously on the ice you're telling a story and you're trying to say. And if you can do that then in the same with anything in life, if we do it authentically and what right. we believe in yeah. that's where that takes you to the next music, level music is such a big part of my life always has been yeah. mum and dad were, were jazz my um, my eldest brother was into Metallica and Cream and Jethro Tull and then Nick middle brother was the classic so we always had all sorts of stuff playing mm. so I have quite an eclectic mix um, but you know having would someone asked me recently in an interview, would I have enjoyed skating to lyrics 
when I was competing because that's now allowed. And yeah. I said, well, it's interesting because it can add another, it absolutely adds another layer to the performance because the audience either know the song or they can yeah. hear it. But I said, that's actually something else that has to then come into the hands of the of the competitor. Mm. It's not only they've got to deliver what the judges need to see in and make it pretty with music. They've also got to interpret and understand where the where their performance sits with the lyric that's happening. And there's so many people, there's some beautiful songs that go, they haven't got a clue what they're skating to. Mm. Because English is a second language, or there's people skating to a, it's a very famous French song, Je suis malade, which is such so beautiful and it's sung incredibly well. And loads of people skate to in the smiling, and it's about a poor girl wanting to kill herself because the boyfriend's left her. But it's in French, so it sounds beautiful in the the, the soarings and you go, no. Google Translate is your friend. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. But, <laughs> so I, I love to compete and um, and I love to perform with lyrics and find songs. But then you don't have to worry about the elements that you'll, you can perform to the lyric and you can use the lyric. Whereas in competition, it, it's actually quite challenging. T- and a, it's an unnes- for me, it's an unnecessary level of, of need to have mm. when you're probably trying to to decide whether or not you can do one triple jump or three triple jumps. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, look, I want, I want, I want to talk about a few challenges and stuff like that. I wanted to just um, briefly talk about that. Like, obviously, being openly gay during mm. a challenging time, um, there, t- talk to me a little bit about that. How did you navigate that? What was it like within the sports community? I I don't know that there was much navigation because I was, I still am. You you go somewhere, you get on stage, you watch somebody perform, you do your job, you train, you whatever you have to do, Mm. and you get off and you go home, regardless of who you are or, or what your sexuality is or what your politics are. You leave that at the door. Yeah. However, you have to at some point come to terms with your own self-worth and how you how you navigate that. There were people who I knew um, and hung out with, and you always think you're you're just a few friends you would see at competitions and go. And of course, everybody always knew, but it was never. Even then, in the in the late seventies, early eighties, and certainly once you're on tour, it was it was absolutely fine. But again, it wasn't. Not that it wasn't important, but my focus, I had a, I had a singular focus on, on what I needed to do and how I needed to do it. Mm. I had watched John Curry go through what he went through in four years earlier, and so I, I knew potentially what to expect, but I kept myself to myself. I kept um, sort of out of the public eye as much as I could. I'm, I'm don't, I don't live for it. I don't particularly care for it. Mm. It's always nice when it's there. But again... You hope then it comes on your terms and not revelations or something. So mm. I, th- I felt very lucky, I guess, going through it and and being with my family and people under- who knew, not necessarily talked about mm. at that time. Um, so I I felt very lucky then, and I think you know now th- things have completely changed. It's yeah, it's the the freedom and accessibility to be yourself whoever wherever whenever is great but i also think there's there are there are such ways that people go i had no idea well why should you or why would you or 
Oh, I didn't know. I thought they, I didn't, they didn't look like that when they were on stage. Well, why would they? Because they're on stage. If a spotlight goes on you, I, I never wanted to see an actor in the street looking the same way as I would on film or on, on camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of, and people's innate personalities. And there are people who, who have such enthusiastic, live my life, um, and that's wonderful. But I was never that person. Mm. Because uh, very much back to the, I guess the thing we talked about earlier on our mm. deathbed and what if and etc cetera, etc. Cetera, and you, you uh, go yeah. the same. I guess th- th- there's the book by Ronnie where who says uh, the regrets of the dying living a life true to ourselves, which is the the biggest regret of the dying. Right. right. So just just can I guess that to embrace every part of us as an individual absolutely and and, and And i and i could do that Mm. with the people that mattered to so it was never it was never behind my family's back it was it was never not when when i finally had that conversation and i think there's you know again i grew up with of an era where the the adults at that time would have felt guilt Mm. over having a gay son gay daughter Mm. whoever they they feel that there's something that they did wrong And it's only when they realize and that that realization of that they can that you are not affected by what they think or they are certainly now not affected by how other people see their children or their family or their brothers or sisters, whoever it might be. And that that takes the onus off. And you have no control over any of that. Um, Someone once said something to me, which which is it takes a a little bit of brain growth. Someone else's opinion of you is none of your business. And it's, you kind of go, oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, because I've I've got twins, you know, and one um, born boy and a girl, and my son is... um, He's, we refer to him now as Lucy, and it was Luca okay. and referred to Lucy. And um, I think for for me as a parent, um, it, in eight years of her life now, uh, I said mm-hmm. referred to as a girl, as as opened Amar, as someone that's very open minded and like to think very liberal. And I've you know I've always been in that way. They've taught me more about the world mm. in these eight years that she's been alive, and actually that we are just. We're all human beings, and that's how we need. Right. We're, we're, we're and I think also at that age, they're not yet um, aware mm. of everything that other people have gone through in yeah. order for them to, for to, you as a yeah, parent, to yeah. allow them to have the life that yeah. they need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I and I, there are so many people around who still, who are, who don't have family, who don't have mm. connections, who don't don't feel like they fit in anywhere mm. of course we all fit everywhere yeah, yeah, which is yeah. the most important thing yeah 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 nice no, it's just really interesting well, i was just keen to i guess just just to explore that with you and i love the f- fact that uh you've described it like that that actually I, that was my life and the people that i need that needed to know That's about it knew it no and what the and embraced embrace yeah it. That's, and that's yeah, all you and that's all that's matter yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing, amazing. But everybody's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody then has their own way. 
yeah. of either coping, dealing, or otherwise. But yeah. the great thing is that there's probably more availability now than there ever was for yeah. for help and support for mm. whoever, whenever, wherever mm. needed. I want. I know you've meant you've mentioned this earlier, and I love this. I love this statement that I never won anything because of what I, yeah what I did. I won it because of how, how I, I did, did it. it. And yeah. I, I, I've, yeah. I've found that brilliant. And I, um, but just just obviously that that focus on your performance and that resilience you've got. So just I just yeah. want to de- delve that deep into that sort of. Mo- I'm really. One of the things on the podcast is delving into people's minds, especially someone an Olympic champion sitting opposite me, and and that mindset and the strategies you employed there to, I guess, like, like what, what, one of the reasons you mentioned that is because of the the error, I guess, in the Olympic route mm-hmm. team, right? To, like, but yeah. changing the narrative around that, around turning well, into an opportunity. <laughs> you make a mistake, you've got a choice: you either dwell on it or move on. And I had thirty seconds had gone before, and I had four and a half minutes left. So which do you choose? The four and a half minutes, you just make it better and make them forget what they did, what, you know, what they've already seen. Um, and I suppose that part, I'd say that was partly in the training of being allowed just to, you know, you, being allowed to make mistakes. I go back to then, that's why I, I, I loved Gene Kelly so much, is because every performance looked like he was making it up as he went along and it was spontaneous. Mm. Fred Astaire... All day, every day, but you can see how much work has gone into that. And you I bet you, if you did it three times a row, it'd be exactly the same. It's mm. not robotic, but it's completely contained. Mm. Whereas <sighs> I went to a dance performance once, and someone's shoe fell off mid-performance, and they just laughed it off, and they just carried on as if nothing had happened. Other people would go, "Oh, shock, horror!" Mm. You know, ballet company. Somebody just go shoe. So that was my thing with Gene Kelly, and that was that was always my thing the spontane the spontaneous feel, even to the point where there were certain things in a in a routine that that I would change because you feel different today than I did yesterday. So why would it be exactly the same? And that's the thing. There are there are people I I I started at early mornings and we were running with and I didn't care if the cleaning lady. My job was to make the cleaning lady stop cleaning the ice rink and watch me. That was what I that was I wanted wanted that attention. Mm. Um, other people couldn't they could do an entire routine, win however many medals, and couldn't tell you how many people were in the arena, whether it was full, half full, anybody was there or not, because they just want to keep things internal and to every again, we're all different. Mm. But I, I am that person that likes to work to the back of the arena. I mean, I st- it's funny. I stood on stage at the Palladium once with somebody, and I went, oh, my God, this place is huge. I went, no, it's not. <laughs> this is actually quite intimate <laughs> from my liking. I really like it. I can see the back row up there. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, I think we're all, we are all different. But that I think when I was doing the ballet, early days ballet in basics, it, it was that rigidity of everybody doing the same thing, and the hand was here, and it could only be there. And it couldn't be there, but it had to be there. Mm. And then finding the skating thing is that it was instantly i'm doing i'm doing the same elements i'm learning to do that jump and that jump but how i do it is down to me mm. and i wasn't i was taught by a nice dancer so she was more about the aesthetics yeah. fantastic i didn't know at the time but that's again that's the reason people mm. carly said is what she gave you as a learned to skate when you were first um grassroots was invaluable 
I mean, I, I, what I really took from from obviously a lot of what you said, but also from from that paragraph, and almost that question, is that actually th- things in life don't need to be perfect, to right? To be to be great, because like <laughs> you, you made that mistake, and yet you I had two choices: yeah. dwell on it or go again. And make the rest, of, and the rest of it was better than it's ever been, and it that brought the house down, and it, it was great. The score, the scores reflected the mistake yeah, yeah. in the in the technical score, but the artistic score was way up there, and it was yeah, um, and it was interesting. I mean, I I had done what I wanted. I was disappointed when I got off there. I took my skates off, and I was like, oh, I, I didn't even watch. I I skated first of the final eight people, mm. and it was the top eight. And then I took my skates off and I went into the arena next door where the, um, I think the American women were training. Mm-hmm. And I sat and watched. I, I couldn't tell you what went on. I still couldn't mm-hmm. tell you what went on in those other seven performances. Um, and interestingly enough, my middle, Nick, middle brother, was um, sitting up in the BBC com- comms box with Alan Weeks. And it was all over. And Nick had seen that I had won. And then someone was saying... Down, I think mum or somebody, parent jumped, shouted up or cried, Where, where's Robin? And Nick said, I have no idea. And someone said, oh, I think I saw him. He's in the other rink. So my brother elbowed his way through the vomitory, <laughs> the connected two rinks, and, and found, come on, they're waiting for you. Come on, come on, come on. And it wasn't until we were halfway back that my brother realized that I didn't know I had won. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I found out that I won the Olympic gold medal from my brother in the vomitory between the two arenas. <laughs> wow, wow. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. This is Geo. Geo runs a scarf company. Geo doesn't see the need for telecoms. Everybody uses mobiles now. But can a mobile really be a business phone? Geo is having coffee with a client, Gabby. Well, actually, Geo prefers acacia leaf tea. But what happens when someone calls? It could be a big new deal. Surely it would be rude to take the call? But many people hate leaving messages. They may just call a competitor instead. What can Geo do? The answer is simple. Turn the mobile into a business phone. With the GoGiraffe app, Geo can quickly transfer the call. Or before the meeting, Geo can simply use the app to divert calls. No more missed calls, lost deals or unhappy customers. Turn your mobile into a business phone today. GoGiraffe. Well, look, t- t- take me to that moment, because uh, there's that iconic picture of you, isn't there, on, on, the, on the podium, and you look down at, at the emotion and stuff. That come. But t- so, look two, two things. First, first of all, once an Olympian, always an Olympian. I, I, it's, if there's one thing I gets my back up a little bit, especially with journalists, sports journalists who know better when they say, you know, former Olympic medalist so and so, Sebko, or whoever, go, no, 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 no. Once an Olympian, always an Olympian, which is great. And the second thing was any picture of any Olympic medalists or podiums mm. is going to become iconic for certain people. Mm. There will always be. And it's my Olympics. There's other people have come along and done what I've done. However, the picture for me is that, yes, that's the, it's the picture of I'm holding the medal and I've got the tear going and I think I'm looking at the flag going up. And it's, it's that moment where you just kind of go, people see relief for a lot of people mm. disbelief for a lot of people I didn't know at the time and I have the picture but somebody from the other end of the ice rink 
took a picture from behind, so over my shoulder, as it were, quite high up. And I, that's my favorite picture because people can, if they want to, look into that corner over my shoulder. And you can see what I could see at the time, which is the most important visual I have, will ever have. And that was team leader, two coaches, parents, brother, because those are the people without whom I wouldn't have been on that podium. And it's, for me, it's that thing that even as an individual sport, right? Mm. Is what you and, and teamwork, you it, team. It? It's always a team. It's There's always a team, and the team stays with you because I mean he's no longer around. Les Barnsley, without him doing what he did, the team. The team isn't only what happens on the day where you are. It's the team are all the people who have done significant work helped work, mentored, put a little something in your ear and you kind of, ooh. You know, I always say to people, take, take every piece of information that anyone ever gives you because at some point you'll go, ah, you may have been told 10 years ago, but if it's worth it, it'll, it'll pop up when it needs to. But the team, the team is not just the coaches or the parents. It's, it's all the people that are behind you at that point. My oldest brother wasn't at the Olympics. And of course, newspaper. Oh, he's not there. There's trouble in the family. Now, my sister-in-law was having a baby, and in fact, had the baby while I was on the ice at the Olympics, which is why Robin Jr. was born. <laughs> um, so, yeah, priorities. <laughs> but it's it is that that moment for me was when I found out, and I looked, and I thought, yeah, I, this is that's why I'm that's why I'm here. It's amazing. Surround yourself with great people. You surround surround yourself with people who will tell you what you need to hear, not what they think you want to hear. Yeah, good advice. Yeah, good advice. reality checks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> can you can you can you still go back to that moment? Like now, you're sitting here with me. Can you still go back and yes? That and and the reason uh, the reason I can do that is I've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want the memory. And as faded or as twisted or changed as it had been in the last 43 years, 44 years now almost, February. I don't want that changing because it, because what I look when I see it isn't how I felt or if I think I felt mm. or how I feel now. It's, it's 44 years ago and that's going to, you know, that, that I, I have changed. I have become a different person from then hopefully better mm. certainly different because we will we all continue to learn and grow um so my memory of what happened on that night mm. is what i live off not a video or looking at youtube and sitting there going look that's me <laughs> no <laughs> it's um yeah again everybody will be different other people you know will like to look back on things and i've seen bits and of course because of the expense of Olympic footage you only ever see 10 seconds of this 30 seconds of that so I've never watched the whole thing through I know what I did because I was there I did it um, but I couldn't tell you what my competitors did because <laughs> it wasn't about them I can't make it you can't make it about somebody else and I'm, I'm always fascinated as well with the again talking about I think I'm going to know the answer to this from you just by just by getting the feel and the passion and stuff that yeah you talk about. It. But with with 
setting our goals as we do in business, mm-hmm. right? We have to set goals and then same with Olympic Child. I've had Sally Gunner on the podcast where I've yep. spoke to her and you talk about, again, that journey and the process and enjoying that as much as we possibly can because you get cause so many people talk about achieving that goal and right. then actually it's a, a bit of a afterwards you go oh, was that euphoria moment for that split second and then everything after now that what? is yeah 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 the now, now what, what moment yeah yeah exactly that um, what's your take on that talk to me a little bit well, about it's, that for you see th- different for me because the now what was there was no now what it was when because I always knew that I wanted to join an ice show, I wanted to perform, and my sport was one of those things that had an afterlife within it, within its context. So, you know, the idea of joining Ice Capades or Holiday Nice or somewhere, I did, I, I spent my first two and a half years touring with Holiday Nice and learning about my craft and learning how to perform, and, and I suppose the first almost four months weren't particularly pleasant in as much as I was loving what I was doing, but I was being announced every night three times on Saturdays, twice on the Sunday, ten times a week. Ladies and gentlemen, Holly Ice is proud to present Olympic fixing champion. And you kind of go, okay, now I'm, tra- I'm trying to be what they think I need to be ten times a week mm. when I have spent the last four or five years doing nine championships a year. Yeah. So the context and, and, I, and, again, the people around me and the other professional performers in the show who were so helpful – and uh, Brian Claveno, who was the performance director and, and the performance skater, who ended up coming and working with me on some of my shows, was v- really helpful in making me understand that I can only be as good as I can be on that one performance in exactly the same way as the rest of his cast can only be as good as they can be on that performance. Mm-hmm. Ignore, as I learned, ignore the announcement. Just do what you do every day for the reason you do it. Ah, light bulb moment. Stephanie Andros choreographing. People have, you know, they're paying to come and see an Olympic champion, but there's no judges. So let's let's expand your repertoire. Let's change you slightly so that you give them, as I always say, give people exactly what they want, mm. just not the way they expect to get it. So there were people around me, and I was very lucky that helped me and have informed how I am now as a choreographer and a director and a and a mentor, because beyond the Olympic scope of what Carla and Krista could do they then helped me take it into a professional level and I was like oh okay now I get it but it it's not instant yeah. but I know that there are those people who um, have that focus and focus and focus and focus and all of a sudden that focus has to change in a way that's drastic because they're no longer hearing a starter gun they're no longer working towards hearing a starter gun yeah. or the smell of the chlorine mm-hmm. or holding a hammer or throwing a javelin it's it's an interesting transition of course it's only been, been fairly recently with UK Sport and Team GB where people are helping athletes to transition into others, other things or, and some of them have done complete universities and they they quite happily can walk away from this and go mm. but the mindset of the athlete never disappears yeah, sure. we find that with dancing and ice yeah, is yeah. if you find the athlete they get the okay i just have to go in a corner and repeat this fifty thousand times yep okay bye bye whereas actors can't make a move without being told because generally in a movie or a tv set they're not allowed to yeah, so sure. they're constantly waiting for that validation and there are those people who go, oh 
I don't have to. I don't have to wait for you to tell me. I can do it again on my own. Yeah, you can. It's everybody. Everybody has a different mindset and how they will take what they, what they've had for twenty years, thirty years, however, moving forward. So I feel incredibly lucky that I, I, a found that my craft could continue in the professional world, mm. and now it's still going as I'm we're in discussions with yeah. Holly Ice about being creative and creating yet another show and, and and choreographing for some of our younger squad skaters who are who are coming up and you know and saying you know this is yeah it's 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 thrilling to still be involved yeah, oh, yeah. and 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 I guess like you said the great thing for you we talk right from the start of your story and that that moment where you loved that you mm. found out this is what I want to do yeah to building your career out of it to still you can tell you can tell your passion and your enthusiasm it's always going to be there ain't going anywhere sitting opposite me it's not always going to be nice though Mm. there are those times no matter where you are whether you're a novice junior senior olympian Mm. where you just think the last thing you want to do is put the boots on (laughs) however you know people say I'm having a really bad practice session Mm. okay who's telling you you have to be here for the next half an hour how about you take your skates off Go have a wander around. Go go somewhere. Mm. Come back and start again. Put your skates on again. Realize why you put them on, mm. and then come back. And you might only get ten minutes at the rest of that session, but that'd be much better ten minutes than you trying to plod on now for half an hour with that mindset. Go. I can I I can do that. Yeah, because the session's an hour. There's nothing in the rule book that says you have to skate for an hour. Mm. You've got an hour within to do the work. If you can do the if you can do the work you're required to do in twenty minutes, that gives you forty minutes of playtime, mm. where you can experiment and challenge yourself and try things and try, you know, watch some watch the others. Oh, I'll have a go at that. Mm. Oh, but that's their music. Why? Well, how do you know if you're going to be any good at skating to music unless you try a bit of everything? Again, it's it's allowing that freedom of allowing of expression. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, just see the parameters differently. That's that's I think a hindsight thing that I have now is an understanding that, as you said earlier, it's something that was in me. I didn't I I don't know that I was fully cognizant at the time that that's how I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so oh, it's so amazing. Well, look, talk, just as we're coming towards the end, and before I finish off with a final question, talk to me a little bit just about obviously sports personality of the year, nineteen eighty. Yeah, on, talk, talk to me. <laughs> that was to, like, re. Donkulous. Uh very strong competition in in that, 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 that <laughs> year as, as, um, as well. So. And a, and without being rude to any of them, I mean, I was aware of. I knew who Seb. Obviously, I knew Seb, and I yeah. knew the names. I I was doing my thing, and they were doing theirs. And I wouldn't have expected them to know my career trajectory any more than I would know theirs mm. at that point in time. And my obviously the Olympics, February nineteen eighty. I did some galas, exhibitions. I went back, packed things up in the States. I joined Holly and I started rehearsals in August. So I think I came, I'd come back and done the City of Bristol presentation, which was fantastic, and then the Eamon Andrews Red Book, This Is Your Life thing. Um, and I came back, I think I came back for the weekend from Holiday and Ice to, to go and have a lovely evening watching the event and being a part of it and of course that was back in the day when the sports the sports personality of the year was just the one award mm-hmm. um it was great because i would probably see jane and chris would have been there and nicky and karen there's a bunch of people that i hadn't seen for ages lovely it was a lovely evening knowing that 
that summer of Olympics, it was Moscow, one, two, three, four, five Olympic medalists. And I'm thinking, okay, I know, I didn't know at the time, of course, hindsight tells me that Daly had already won. There were other things, but I was thinking, it was in the bag for Sebco. It was absolutely in the bag. I don't know. I look at the picture of me holding it and thinking, and I was looked so young also. <laughs> um, yeah. I needed a stylist as well at that point. <laughs> um, but it was it was amazing. I don't remember much about it other than the fact, again, it was, I was just not prepared. I, I, I don't really prepare speeches now. I kind of have an idea in my head of what I need to mm. say, and that's, again, over the years. And I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have written anything then. It would have been, I always like things to be spontaneous. Mm. Um, so yeah, it just a magical moment. A magic, uh, yes, and a magic, a magical moment. I got the Daily Express Sportsman of the Year award as well, which is a, a which is it sits there alongside. It's a, yeah, yeah. If, if you could go back, talk to your ten-year-old self, what what advice would you give about your whole journey and what's happened and would you change anything? But what what advice would no, you give? No, I, I certainly wouldn't change anything. Um, would I hope that certain things turned out slightly differently? I suppose the one thing I would say is take your time. <laughs> that would be it. Take your time. I, I, yeah, the impetuous thing has not gone away necessarily. As I say, I'm, I am, I am a very much a destination person not the journey and I suppose it would be there are certain moments in your life where you have to allow the journey to take the time it takes mm-hmm. and not be in a hurry to get to your destination that would be that would be it because that's really because uh, again back to that point uh, this is why I find that that really fascinating actually because when, when we talk about that as I said so many people fixed on that destination and that thing especially from an Olympic point of view right. but whereas like because of how you talk about what you achieved and how you did it over that period and the joy that you got from the whole process mm. of everything, it, you do allude to that, but I'm, I almost push back on you a little bit there because it, it's like you you almost got that balance right with it. You've got that, I've got these goals and these th- these targets, right. these destinations. And I suppose it goes back to what you said with Sally, where, you know, the, and everybody has this aspiration. Mm. It, aspirational living is what everybody should have. Mm. The thing is, once you've decided what that is, come back, get that, la- put the ladder in place, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then have those markers that allow this to be. This you can't get from here to there. You can't get from the bottom to the top instantly, or yeah. or without knowing where those ladders and ledges are, where you have to sit and hold those holding patterns for you to get comfortable with this to then move on to the next one. Yeah. You know, people just don't leave base camp and next thing they're planting the flag on the top of Everest they have to there has to be a plan and you also have to be very prepared for that plan to change course doesn't mean to say that you're not ultimately going to get where you're going and I suppose that's the I was always trying to do it the most direct way Mm. Um, but every now and again veer Allow yourself to go off because you it's it's a learning process. That's part of that learning process. Yeah, yeah, sure. And you can 
suddenly go, okay, I didn't really need to do that. However, look what I got out of it. Or I, well, yeah, Eve could have just been a nice lunch. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Or somewhere, oh, I found somewhere new to eat on the on the journey home from Nottingham. But it's, yeah, it's well, it's yeah. allowing those those moments to happen and not be quite so blinkered. Yeah. We're going to round up our final question. The thing I ask everyone on here, and like I said, the, the, title of the, or the, the tagline of the podcast, Helping the World to See Success Differently. But I want to, I always ask everyone, your, your, look at your incredible achievements and all you've done over your amazing life. Where, where you've been, where you are, now, where you're going, what, how, how do you define success? Success is the ability to know that you're not done yet. I've managed to pull that one right out of my backside. I think it's the idea that you can be happy with what you've got, and we're both sitting here, but tomorrow that success might elevate somewhere else and take you some, on another. You Never be satisfied because you're never done. That's the thing. <laughs> love that what a brilliant brilliant way to finish um, Robin I can't thank you enough for your no, time my pleasure it's thank been, you um, it's been uh, I could uh, chat to you forever like just your enthusiasm and passion still for everything in like you talk about you can you can see it with the ice skating and, <laughs> and I've been fortunate enough to be on the ice with you and when we've yeah, done the we thing, had we, a, we had a great time and yes. um, but you're just you're, you're and it's I think everything that we do in life if we can we can find that that's that that magical ingredient. everybody has that nugget in them they've yeah. just got to trigger out figure out how to find it yeah. and where the trigger is that allows them to use it amazing what a great way to finish thank, thank you. you so much for your My time pleasure. it's been amazing <laughs> amazing and that as they say is a wrap